No, don't don't apologize. I think we're pausing to think and also like give space to each other to answer. So don't worry about the pauses. They're also good for editing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish someone told me at a, at a younger age, don't, just in general, don't worry about the pauses. I'd be like, wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Pat McMahon, and you're listening to another episode of Converge Collaborative's podcast called Bring Your Full Self. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Oshitsu. Thanks, Pat, for that introduction to where we are today. This is the last episode of our season, our first season. If you've been following along, thanks so much. We've loved sharing the thoughts and values of our members. Today, we have a very special episode, another roundtable episode, which features our intern, Ryan Park. He is a college senior studying computer science, and it's been a treat to get to know him. This episode came about because in our meetings, when we talk about tasks and work, Ryan has also been such a wonderful question asker and interlocutor. His questions have helped us break down so many of the foundational and pivotal decisions and processes that many of us go through as we move from young adulthood into navigating careers and inevitably growing in our responsibilities. I thought this conversation that we had with Ryan was really, really special. Um, I, as is the case with a lot of the members of Converge, uh, Amy, you were kind of the person that, that knew Ryan the best. And so we were able to welcome him into this space of conversation in which he was able to ask some general questions, like you said, about kind of moving through young adulthood, navigating careers. Uh, but I also thought some of his questions around things like, how do you go out and, and make friends aligned with your interests? You know, what, what do you guys see as, um, you know, how have you found yourselves? Things that are not questions that you get asked very frequently um, and very directly. I thought that the perspective that Ryan brought in uh, was really fantastic and allowed us to sort of investigate some of those, those questions within ourselves. I totally agree. Um, and I'm so excited that we get to share this with people. I really appreciate that you just called out the directness. And I think that's one thing that's really special about this conversation is that we are very directly talking about things that are often very implicitly thought about or like communicated around. And it really leads to my personal interest in this conversation is that this brings us back, back to foundational thinking and about narratives when we were younger and unpacking what those who are older, what those people often said to us and how it made us feel and how it may or may not have applied to us. In my creative practice, I'm personally very interested in the concept of infrastructure and that includes the foundations of why we view things as we do and why we make early decisions and how those influence our lives later on. You know, that's not to say that we can't and don't change intentionally and unintentionally, but I know for me, the people that I saw as wise authority figures when I was younger those really affected my choices. And I like the idea of unpacking those ideas together and being open about them instead of like just wondering about it silently to yourself. <laughs> and I really believe in fluidity and nuance. So there's a balance between the practicality of not reinventing the wheel and also allowing space for imagining and experimentation with different methods and paths. You know, that's what we're all about here at Converge. And that boils down to, for me, to take everything with a grain of salt. So um, listeners, definitely, you know, we're all just coming from where we are in the moment that we're in them. So I just want to put that out there. And I like the idea that we recorded that, that if we could possibly record a podcast in 10 years and see what our thoughts about these same questions would be, like, I think we're all going to change and grow and have new insights. So 
I know that was kind of uh, a little disclaimer, but I just want to say none of this is gospel. This is just like our ideas in the moment. Oh, I love that disclaimer so much. I think that 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 thought and that concept of, of nothing being gospel, really just kind of sharing with Ryan the things that individually work for us, and also the reassurance that we were able to provide um, as these, you know, I'm using air quotes, but wise, older figures, um, you know, with mo- slightly more life experience, that we were able to share, hey, this is just what worked for me. And, and it's also, I think, a, a really good reminder to the fact that with a lot of Ryan's questions, from the perspective of, you know, he's about 10 years younger than I am, from that perspective, I'm so proud of of him in terms of the way that he has those questions at the ready because, you know, when you look at kind of growth over the span of 10 years or even shorter time increments, it's it's really, I think it's impressive when you're able to acknowledge the growth, acknowledge the things that you didn't know. Um, and that's one thing that stands out to me about this brilliant conversation. Um, as is always the case, I learned so much from all of the other people were in community and conversation with here in Converge. Uh, I know that as I've expressed in in different kind of opportunities, both on this podcast and and in our internal conversations, in speaking with you all, I gain language for concepts and feelings that I may have had, but um, that I wasn't able to fully articulate. I feel that I've learned so much from you, Amy, and Katie Gritlian, uh, one of the other voices you'll hear on this podcast, um, in terms of how to express and, and articulate all of the things that were brought up through Ryan's really, really thoughtful questions. So without further ado, I'll introduce our conversation. And the voices that you'll hear today are myself, Pat McMahon, Amy Yoshitsu, Ryan Park, and Katie Gritlian. Hope you enjoy. I love your questions so much. So I'm, I'm feeling energized by your questions. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks. Glad to hear that. Hopefully, like, I don't know. Hopefully they're not too like general questions. I actually, I feel like they're like a good appropriate amount of general, you know, like they're, they're not questions that I asked when I was your age. And I think they're like that you're asking them, you know, I think there are questions that, like, we don't straight up ask other people very often, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for being so open with it, though. Like, I know a lot of people are really like, hesitant to, like, answer these kinds of things, but... I, I feel like it's, uh, I feel like it's definitely something that gets easier with age, you know? So, yeah. and I feel like that's one thing that we can offer uh, to these questions, kind of all three of us. Okay, cool. Um, that's Thank, how you. I feel. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Uh, so I guess Katie, I haven't met you, but I guess a little bit myself. Like I'm a, I'm in my last quarter of a computer science degree, so I'm really just trying to figure out like what I want to do and like how how I want to go about it. So that's kind of how we got across these questions. Yeah, I. The, Hearing all of that, I, I think I think there's such beautiful questions, and to hear that context and like where they're arriving from makes a lot of sense. Um, and I also what I also love about them is that they're questions that like, as someone that is maybe 
beyond that chapter, I am still grappling with these so, so much. And I've been like, actually like struggling with some things. And your questions were such a grounding reminder of like the core seeds of, of, um, of these things that are just so important to keep checking in about at each stage of growing. So that context is so lovely to hear. And also so excited to see how all of our contexts together <laughs> create these questions. All right, cool. Thank you. I guess like off of that then, like what does it mean to you guys to like find yourself at like a younger age? Like what does it mean to like really like know a lot about yourself? I guess it's like directed toward anyone, like anyone want to answer. Sorry, it's kind of a loaded question, I guess. No, don't don't apologize. I think we're pausing to think and also like give space to each other to answer. Hmm. So don't worry about the pauses. They're also okay. good for editing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish someone told me at a at a younger age, don't, just in general, don't worry about the pauses. I'd be like, wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess I have a question like what does it mean to know yourself when you're young or like what do you feel like other people your age know themselves and you don't or like I'd like to learn more about where that question is coming from for you like I don't know you always just hear it and it's like you should find yourself when you're younger and I'm like okay what does that like mean (laughs) like I I don't know like can you like specify and they're just like find yourself I was like okay sure Well, I have some thoughts, but I will, I can let other people answer first. No, Amy, have at it. Okay, yeah. Well, my thoughts in response to that, I don't, I'm not sure if I can remember someone saying that to me, but what that brings up for me is that uh, me, imagining people who are older who didn't find their passion or their interest when they were young and kind of regretting that maybe when they're older. Um, because I think we've talked about this before, you and me, Ryan, about like at some point, one may get into a situation where they have a lot of bills, essentially, like they have a lot of responsibilities and it's harder to pursue something you really love if you have, uh, you know, financial responsibilities that are, require 24 hour attendance. So that's what I kind of imagine when people say that. So I know for you, you do love what you're studying. And so that's like already a really great thing. And there's like a pretty, clear in some ways future for what you're studying like I think some people love English but then like the world we live in doesn't allow for people to spend their whole lives digging into what it means to be an English literature person like that's not really an option in our world so it's good that you know and I think hopefully for you you'll find a path towards continuing to love what you do but that's what I that's what it meant to me when you asked that no that makes a lot of sense yeah I don't know. It, it was just like, whenever someone said that to me, it just sounded so vague. So, yeah, I guess, thank you for that. <laughs> what do other people think? I've been thinking a lot about, I feel like this is like a nice texture to add to Amy's response of like, I've been thinking about the practice of collecting our instincts. So like, for example, I am an artist and a teacher. I, I, I'm all over. Like I am interdisciplinary and I'm, I'm struggling and like, aligning what I love with something that is financially sustainable, all that Amy's response exactly. And, um, but as I'm navigating that, 
I keep coming back to, okay, well, what, what do I know makes me happy? And I don't, I don't have like a, an answer or a one-liner, but I do know that I'm committed to practicing following my instincts. So like, mm. oh, like th- this, um, I keep going towards this photography history. I keep going towards making books as a way to share ideas with people. I keep going towards making sure I'm the transcriber at meetings. Like there's these instincts that keep happening and just practicing presence and listening to that and being committed to remembering that. And over time, those pieces start to connect into our practices. Um, And I think one more thing I'll add to that is like this distinction between habits and practices is what I've been thinking a lot about. Like in that, in this mindful practice of like listening to how I am in spaces, thinking about what are the habits, what are the ways I've been reacting to things and what, what of those do I want to let go of? And what do those do I want to keep nurturing into intentional practices for how I show up in different spaces? And that might sound a little vague too, just like a way of, a way of my brain kind of organizes it. No, thank you. That was, that was good. That was really well put actually. (laughs) Yeah. I love that response, Katie. That was beautiful. I, I hear a little bit of, I mean, I hear some things in both Amy and Katie's responses that I definitely resonate with. And I also recognize, like, I certainly didn't uh, have a good understanding of myself when I was younger. You know what I mean? That's definitely something that came with age and with like a slow kind of, for in my case, like an unintentional move towards things that I was more passionate about. You know, I was like, um, while I was working a job that I didn't like, it was really hard for me to feel like that was um, the self I was supposed to move towards. And then I uh, made conscious decisions to to leave that job to, you know, honestly, like working in this space with this group of people was like a pretty huge piece to kind of getting to that point of maybe not fully discovering myself. I still am working on figuring out who I am and what I want to continue to do. But like, I feel in this year, I've felt like more myself than I ever have before. Um, which I think took like a lot of, um, like slow work. So I think if you don't, if you don't feel like you're there right at this moment, that's to be expected. You know, it's like, there's so much, uh, so much fun exploring that you get to do and figuring out the things that make you feel like yourself, make you feel uh, maybe further away from that, you know, like it's trial and error. And I think that's, um, in my experience, been kind of the way that I found myself where I am now. Nice. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Then like, I guess off of that, then like, after you guys like have found yourself, like what would, what would you say like makes you guys like the most happiest, like, yeah, I know it's general, but like, like if you're ever like down or something, like what do you guys always do to like, like recoup and makes make yourself a little more happy? I definitely turn to music for, uh, you know, just like something to listen to, to swing me out of a rut, something to pull me deeper into a rut, if that's the thing that I need at the moment, you know? Um and yeah, and, and also kind of along the lines of like recognizing habits like Katie was talking about, one thing that I recognize is a good habit for me is when I'm like 
listening to new music, finding new music, kind of staying open to a shuffle of new music. Um, it's just, I think it's a good practice for me in terms of, um, curiosity for like looking for new stuff. Um, it can like totally change a direction if I'm like really into, there was a period last year where I got really into like dance music and like, that was the first time in my life that I'd gotten really into dance music. And it kind of, it gave me a little bit of propulsion, which was like, pretty nice, you know, in, in like a, in a very activating kind of way. So music has always sort of held that. Um, if I, if I don't know what else to be doing, music is a good place to like get the ball rolling for me. Nice. But, yeah. I find myself coming, coming back to music too, though, I'm not going to lie. It's, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just something always relaxing. I think to build on that too, I feel like this is a nice duet with that is I think about reading a lot. Like I always say like from from teachers and from friends, like there's this practice of like if you if you're stuck writing, it means you need to read more. And like I just think about the like ecology of language and like how it's so um, contagious and and the some that really struggles with verbalizing. I like I am like, okay, like I if I'm struggling right now, it just means I need to like, just, just put myself into the ecology of language with others and like, just lean into that. And that really, that brings so much happiness because it's like reminding of just larger communities that we're all a part of. Um, but I feel like reading and listening, reading and music feels like, feels related so much. Uh, oh yeah, Ryan, did you want to respond? Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say is uh, building on what they said and what Katie said originally for me, when I was younger, music was like a big source of stress uh, relief for me. And uh, I think now for me, it is like more following my intuition about what I want to do in the moment. I think that's like a big part of how I like, like, Oh, this, I try like a big part of converge and like trying to build my life is being in a place where I can choose what task I'm doing in this moment so that I'm most productive and most able to focus as opposed to being forced into like, I have to finish this in, in an hour because that's the nature of the work that I'm doing. So I just want to like, that's, I've intentionally tried to build my life like that. And I also wanted to go back to like your original question and how, I don't know if like class and race played a role in the messaging that you were getting, or like, I know that also plays a large role in just like that idea of finding yourself because not everyone has the privilege of doing that in, in, yeah. throughout their entire life or when they're young and like wondering if maybe people who are giving you that message that you're perceiving it from are people who didn't have that privilege when they were younger and trying to give you permission to do that now that you're young and then maybe you have the opportunity to. No, yeah, it was more or less just like some of my friends, like my older friends just like, that were going into industry and they're like, yeah, it's like, it's like a word of advice, like try to find yourself early on, like what you want to do and stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll try. But I don't know, at the time it didn't really make sense, but. Yeah, I think that what I'm hearing in that as you said, like in industry, you know, finding out what you want to do. I, I definitely feel like societally a huge pressure to like know that the thing that you either want to study in school or and or 
um, you know, a career you want to pursue is like, it's a big piece of, I guess, what's expected of us when we're young, you know, like the, the early assumption of like, knowing what you want to study in school, being like a huge pressure point for an 18 year old to try and figure out. I talk about that a lot with um, people around my age, you know, late 20s, early 30s, about how, you know, you're kind of told to pick something. And that might not be the thing that you want to continue um, doing for the rest of your life or being your passion or anything like that. I think the way that you know, to tie it back to your question, Ryan, about like finding yourself and then what does happiness then look like? I think like a huge piece for me um, of like arriving at this place where I am now and feeling very happy and content in my life is, is understanding that like what I do professionally is not like the, the end all be all of my, um, I don't know, life or humanity or, you know, it, it, it's, taking less of my life or uh, putting less of my life into the work that I do. And like Amy said, kind of crafting my life around the things that I'm interested in doing. Um, so, you know, I, I've really been very lucky in the last, you know, year or so since I left that job that other things have fallen into place as I kind of put less of myself into like, I am my job or I am, you know, trying to find meaning or purpose in the the job that I was in instead of kind of working the other way around. I don't know. No, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because I like how you, like, you brought up like that your professional life is not like your end all be all thing. So like, because I was going to ask like, at what point did like balance your passion and like finances? Because it's like, Sometimes pursuing, I feel like pursuing passion isn't like always like financially responsible all the time, but like what, what's your guys' take on balancing the two? I have lots of thoughts, but I am, I would love to hear Amy and Katie from your perspective as well. You can go first if you want. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in my life, those things have been a little bit, it's like a zero sum situation for me where the more that I've pursued the things that I'm interested and passionate about, the less financially sound I've been. Um, but I also built for myself enough of a, a reserve of financial stability and, at a job that I wasn't fulfilled by to, to go off and explore what would fulfill me. So I, 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 in my personal experience, it was very much like I was on this track. I realized this track was not for me, but I recognized the financial benefit of it. And I was eventually able to get off of that track and explore um, what would be more fulfilling in my life and how I wanted to um, carve out for myself, both a, a world that I can work and pursue things that that don't make me money but make me happy i don't know that's awesome because i don't know coming out of college or like nearing my end of my college career just just like a bit worried on like whether to like just focus on getting the higher paying job or focus on something more interesting 
Yeah, I really, I, I really struggle with this one. Um, and I'm like deep in it right now, actually. As someone that's done, has chosen the positions for that match my passion um, and then went to grad school and then continued that finding jobs that align with my passion. I, I, I'm reckoning now with, with what that means financially, which is less sustainability. Um, and that's what I'm, that's, I'm deeply like negotiating that right now. Like I'm making all these charts right now. I'm trying to like figure it out. And, um, and one thing I will say, uh, is there's been, there's like a chart that I've been drawing for myself every day that I find really grounding. It, It kind of both bridges the finding yourself and this balance question a little bit. Maybe it's like a tool. It's a quadrant. The X axis goes from, um, uh, uh, not urgent to urgent and the y-axis goes from not in, from bottom to up not interested to interested and I place all my tasks from and, and things that I want to do and commitments and practices on it for the week and I see where things are aligned and I'm like okay what is what is urgent in terms of uh, financial responsibility what is urgent in terms of my emotional well-being <laughs> what is urgent and, da, 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 and, I, and I keep through this quadrant, I like spatialize all the things that are present in that current week. And I'm able to discern or get closer to discerning what my priorities are, which is helping me in turn, come back to that question of balance, if that makes any sense. Um, yes, because, because it's, it can get so, it's such a, it's such a hard question. And so I find like visuals like that and using the, the material of our every week, ever every day, as a way to ground myself in reflecting towards that question. Does that make any sense? No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. We should do that. We really should. I like that a lot. I do it with actually. my students. It's so helpful. I'm like, I need. I do it with them. I'm like, I need this. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna steal that. Yeah, no, like, I'm actually going to do that because, like, sometimes it's, like, hard for me to prioritize certain tasks over, like, what needs to be done, but, like, versus, like, what I really want to do at the time. So I just get, like, carried away on, like, what things I really want to do versus, like, my deadlines coming up. So I'm definitely going to steal that. I know I was working on it the other day and I could see, this will be hard to say without the visual, but I could see how like the top left quadrant is usually all the things that need protecting. And then like the top right are usually like all the things that are, or like the bottom right are usually all the things that like, we need, we need to be, we need like external motivation to get it done in the first place. Like it's like, you just start to see the patterns and it's really, it's really helpful. Katie, I also really like the way you describe the different types of urgency. So there's like a financial urgency, which is, you know, an urgency that is always present, but then like an urgency for your taking care of your emotional urgency, things that are going to make you feel relief or, um, you know, just anything outside of what we might think is the default urgency kind of, uh, you know, cost of living being a high one. I love the urgency for other things too. Yeah. So much, it takes so much for me at least work to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess on that then, like, 
Are you guys like pretty happy with like the paths you guys have chosen then? Or like, would you change something? Something that's in one's individual control or if someone had a magic wand to change society, which could have changed. Individual, individual control. Like, <laughs> okay. like, like if, yeah. For me, there's always things I would do differently. There's, if I had the, the knowledge that I sit here with right now at 31 when I was 23, 24, I would have made better decisions. I mean, you can take that back even further, you know. Like you could always be looking at the decisions that you're making with the hindsight that you have and say, there's a better path I could have figured out. I could have started exploring my passion sooner. Um, you know, just as one example, uh, I, I'd been talking about quitting my job at a marketing agency for long enough that I would go years without seeing friends and they would ask me if I was still doing that job that I was complaining about all those years ago. So like, yeah, if I had the chance, maybe I'd go back and I'd, I'd quit that job sooner and I'd, you know, explore a little bit more. But I, I think for me, it happened at the right time. So I don't, I try not to go back and, and look at things as, oh, I made the wrong choice, but more, like I said earlier, as like trial and error. I mean, I am where I am now because I stayed on the wrong path for a while and, and really had to, um, had to get so far into something I wasn't really thrilled about that I, that it was unavoidable, you know? Um, so I don't know. That's my take on it. I try really hard not to, um, look back with too much like choice by choice, um, road, not, uh, road, not taken road, not traveled, right. Robert Frost. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, uh, yeah, that's sort of how I look at it. Does that make sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I appreciate like your like like your thoughts or not thoughts, but like your your take on like not looking back. Like you kind of just are where you are. Like, like I definitely can learn from that because even now, like I'll look back and be like, probably could have done this instead. Maybe something else would have happened, but maybe it's not for the best. I think, yeah. I think like there's, oh, sorry, I mean, you go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think there's, uh, there's value that comes probably from, from looking back and, and knowing, you know, reflecting back, I think is really important. I don't think, I don't think the way that I operate is not thinking about decisions I've made in the past, but not, not dwelling on having made the wrong ones. You know, I think looking back and, and trying to figure out what I wasn't considering in the past and what I was considering, you know, so like to look at maybe what my what my um, sources of evaluation were when I was younger, financial security was much more readily in my forefront because I didn't have that. And so now that I've, after a time where I was able to build that a little bit for myself, then I realized okay, I have this financial stability, but what I'm lacking is actually fulfillment and happiness and um, interest in what I'm doing. So I really do think that it's like, it's only because I could look back with a little bit more knowledge um, 
that I was able to then change the decisions I was making looking forward. Does that kind of distinction make sense, I guess, between like yeah. not looking back and like, yeah? Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then I guess like if you were to look back, because like I'm coming out of college and I know I've like asked Amy and Patrick this, but like do you guys have like any like general advice for coming into like the work field? I think for me, it kind of depends on what field you will be in and the position that you will be in. Um, And I think we've kind of like, that's how I see it. Like people who are coming out of college, depending on what they studied and like the position they're in, they're always going to be like at the beginning in some ways, but the beginning can be more or less privileged depending on what you studied and who you are and all those things. So I guess like, being mindful of that, I guess, like, I'm, like in terms of, like, your social circle, being mindful that, you know, we've talked about that, and, yeah, being mindful that, like, I guess, just, I came from a family with a very fixed idea about many things, and uh, one of them being about, like, the hierarchy that is expected in a, the job setting, and I think that that's often it's like it is there but I think there are more there's more like a larger spectrum of what is possible now in my view from when I started working more than 10 years ago it doesn't it doesn't always have to be as authoritarian in every situation like that's just like what I was programmed to assume and like accept But I think everyone's coming at it from a different perspective too, depending on like what you see the adults in your life are doing, how they're making money and like what the messages you received when, when you're preparing to go into a job. So I think it's like really, I don't know, for me, I was just like, I just came in being like, well, 100% authoritarianism is what I expect and like what I have to accept. So then no. like on that, then what, what made you like become more open-minded about these things? Uh, in my experience, uh, it was seeing that that other people didn't necessarily follow that assumption. And some people did. It followed that. Some people did not follow the assumption and it did not go well, but other people did not follow that accept- assumption and it went fine for them. And that helped me see how like gender, race, and class played a big role in things. And uh, also seeing that like, just like being I think aware of what also my peers were doing and the types of experiences they were having like listening to that figuring that out like uh trying to transition and navigate towards a a space where I felt like my skills could be more valued and my autonomy could be more valued just like it's like incremental like like slow work kind of I remember something that Patrick said earlier in this conversation it's like a slow progression towards that I think like like drifting towards that and for me, experimenting, seeing how far I could stretch something, et cetera. And that's okay, kind of vague, but... No, no, that was perfect. Thank you. I also, too, like, on the note of, like, slow work and, again, to this practice of just, like, close listening to instincts and habits and shifts that might be happening incrementally, 
um, like at, at the beginning of any job or of a, of a new chapter, there's so much learning. And I feel like at that time for me, I was conflating excitement and fear. And so I would, I would, there's so much excitement, like it's learning so many things. There's so many processes and I would quickly all of a sudden get scared, understandably so. Um, and I didn't know how to work through and discern fear versus excitement. And so then I would start to uh, uh, operate on that fear and not question certain assumptions about hierarchy and things. And so like, for example, I was working at like my first full-time job, I, um, uh, uh, the hierarchy wasn't totally explained, but I like, so I also wasn't questioning it that much. And I was in operating on fear, which just put, would magnify the pressure that was there so much and be so hard on myself and be working like that would lead into poor boundaries. And we're just working so many hours and also all these like gender race place dynamics that I was not wondering about, because again, I was just operating so much on fear. Um, and so I think just like taking that time to, to as much as is possible, um, to, ref to like, get yeah, to like pay attention, to reflect, to, to incrementally question and, and see the dynamics. And, and if you're noticing yourself becoming really stressed, just like pausing and seeing, okay, like, where's this coming from? Is this from me? Is this from a, a external power source? <laughs> like, where, where is this? What is, what is, where is this coming from? Um, and give yourself that grace to like slowly collect those pieces and put them together. Yeah, no, thank you. That was like really nicely put. Like, like I can, I can always, I can take from that just by taking a step back. Like, I could definitely learn from that one. Katie, I'm always so appreciative of, uh, I, we've had this moment so many times, I feel like you and I, but like recognizing that we, we kind of have had similar experiences in the past, like hearing you say that you were operating from a place of fear at your first job is like, that's an articulation of something I've never really been able to identify, but that's absolutely what was going on for me. And, and the fact that it led to then poor boundaries and working like so much to try and like do right by the people who are asking me these tasks. You know, I was just like, well, I don't want my boss to be disappointed. I certainly don't want to do something wrong. So I'll overexert and, and not really have the, um, the language or the tools to say, I'd like to clearly set expectations for, for, you know, boundaries or things like that, you know, um, you're so thoughtful and so mindful in the way that you articulate it now. And, and it's, it resonates really deeply with what I felt when I was like 23 and was like, gosh, I don't know if I'm doing anything right. And I'm a little too afraid to ask. Cause at this point it's been like an hour of trying to figure out if I'm doing the thing right. I should have just asked right away. And then that problem compounds itself. So I think the other, the other huge advice I would give is just ask questions. Um, you know, if you're confused, it's not in any, it's not due to any fault of your own. You know, confusion is like an okay thing. And if 
what you've been instructed doesn't make sense, like I'm sure there's another way for the person that is giving you that task to describe it in a way that's easy for them that makes more clear for you. Um, so yeah, just recognizing those kinds of things. Like, I don't know. I, I wasn't very good at that when I was, when I was starting out in the workforce for sure. Okay. Now that's, that's like really great to hear. Cause like, even now, like I'll struggle to ask like questions, even though like, I definitely don't know the answer and like, like searching on online is not really helping me either. So <laughs> yeah, can, totally. I can definitely like feel okay to ask questions, but it's, I don't know, even now it's just tough. It's just like, I don't know whether it's like too scared or like too like worried with like the person will say back, but yeah. I think that's like a fair fear. Cause I do think, Sometimes I think that I really emphasize what Pat said, like ask questions, but if it still doesn't make sense to you, I really hope and encourage you not to internalize that that's your fault. Like I have been a lot of questions where like a lot of situations where asking questions actually did not go well. And it did make me feel like dumb or like that it was my fault, but often it's, it's human communication is very complex. Like just like start there that it's not just because another person may have more authority. If even the fact that they cannot express their need or question clearly is not your fault. So I just like want to emphasize that. And also this kind of dovetails like also when you asked like more about moving towards uh, not accepting authority in that way is seeing people who are in authority clearly also being human and not being able to do everything perfectly. And I think as like you have more experiences, maybe you'll just have, I had more experiences like that again and again. And I was like, oh, I can do this, which gave me more confidence to try other things and like expand my asks and like my attempts at things. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense too, but did it just like take time to like eventually get around to the point where you're like, it's okay. I'll just ask this anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it takes still time to get to know people. <laughs> yeah. I still sweat so much when I ask a question. I I think about fear so empower so much because I am still and I've learned so much. Learning happens, growing happens, but I am. It's such a process because, as Amy said so well, it's communication is so complex. And you throw power and race and class, and it's just like, ah, there's so many vectors. Um, and something, too, that I I am grappling with is, like, how, I don't know, I wished I had also thought more about um, when I was younger, like, not to let other parties or people's reactionary discomfort be an authority or, like, appeal to it. Um so what I mean by that is like, um, like when I, yeah, it takes a lot of time and it's hard and it's tricky and knowing your own boundaries is crucial for this. But um, like when I would ask questions at my first shop and there was a power dynamic and gender dynamic and all these things, I would often be, I would be met with like reactionary discomfort from the, from the authoritative figure. Mm-hmm. And I, and yeah, I would, I would internalize that as my fault or like I should, I should change for that for make them feel more comfortable. And, and it's, 
that was not my fault. And that is also their own process to navigate. And it is just so complex. Um, but the more that I saw where I was, where the power dynamics were and where I was also adding a, a projection of power would also help me feel more empowered. Cause I was like, okay, this, this is complex. It's not just, I am right or wrong uh -huh. and um, um, things like that. So like the opposite point of view, then like, how would you make it to where like someone's more comfortable asking you questions then? One thing that I've always tried to do when in, in, in examples or opportunities where I've been like managing someone or training someone at something um, is to, you know, I think that there's, there was a realization I had at, at, at kind of an early point and it ties in a lot to what Katie and Amy both were saying, but like recognizing that there's, uh, you know, work relationships aren't strictly one directional recognizing that there's things that you can learn from people that are hierarchically like below you just kind of breaks up the idea of hierarchy as kind of silly when you're like, Oh, this person that's like that reports into me actually has a lot more working knowledge of the thing that we're collaborating on. You know, maybe my view of it is from, like a higher point in the tree, but they're, they're like right at the base of the tree and they can see what's happening on the ground and they understand that. So I've, I've always tried to just acknowledge when I don't know something I think is the biggest key. Um, and just like, you know, rather than <laughs> I used to just kind of nod and be like, sure, I totally, I understand the concept or I've read the book or I've seen the movie that you're talking about. And instead just being like, can we, oh, let's pause for a second. Can we, I actually don't know the reference you're about to make, or I don't know the concept that you're about to kind of give an example of. Can we stop here and, and um, just make sure we both understand that? So I don't know. It'll, it'll be hard, I think, until you're in those positions. It's certainly hard to like manage up in that kind of way where, you know, if the person that is giving you instruction isn't also asking questions. It's hard to get them to ask questions, I think. Um, but I've, I've found mm. it, it'll like soften people a little bit. If you're able to acknowledge that you don't know something in my experience, it has then opened up other people to identify that they don't know something. It, it, it there's a lot of like, um, I've, I find a lot of like, sometimes false confidence in, in conversation with people occasionally. And I think if you just say, Hey, I'm comfortable saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Then they don't have to kind of meet you in a thing you you're an expert on with a false sense of, of knowledge or, or trying to, to match your knowledge because there's a, there's an admission that we have different skill sets, you know? So that kind of thing is um, something I've tried to put into practice. Um, just because I got I got tired of being confused and pretending like I I understood what was being talked about, you know. Oh, that's awesome! Because you guys, you guys always make it like easy for me to ask questions to you guys, so it's like always really nice to talk. That's great to hear. I'm glad to hear that. But I guess like I'm I'm learning like like as you go through life, like how do you 
still find time or like motivation to like learn about new things or like or study even study new things like how do you guys find time or motivation about that the simple answer for me is podcasts I love podcasts. I think podcasts are a great source of learning things and you can do it while you're doing lots of other things. Uh, The more complex answer is like kind of going back to how you craft your life. Like one thing I loved and always like was immediately drawn to being an artist when I went to art school is like the idea that like you can make art about these other things you're learning. Like that's like, like it's so inter and multidisciplinary in our practice. So like I loved when I was in school and it didn't matter what the topic was, whether it was like learning history or about ethics or like science or anything. I was like, Oh, this like nugget of thing about this, like microcarbon material, or whatever. I can put that concept into my art. Like I love, that's one thing. So like it was a vehicle to continue to learn anything and I still feel that like with the creative endeavors we're doing and that like, is part of my practice and like building Converge, it's an excuse to learn about like legalistic matters around corporations, whatever it may be, it like you're put in that position. And I think uh, that's for me, one of the things that is hard of being in a traditional work environment where it's very much like do the same thing you've done before. And like, that's, your only way to have security and it is it does like create more of a fixed mindset sometimes in people or an expected mindset that like life is chaos you can't always just like rest on your laurels so you gotta learn learning <laughs> i think we all love learning yeah definitely yeah i think i've only gotten more curious as i've gotten older so i, I don't know if that's a a helpful like I, I really feel like I've only gotten more rigorous about maintaining my yeah. like different spheres and kinds of learning um, and like gotten more protective over it so I hope that that's like a nice <laughs> a nice sign no no like definitely because like like high school like I didn't like I didn't care about much besides like sports so like like as I like, gone through college like I've definitely like wanted to learn more about other things than just sports so like can see where that's coming from. Also on the note of too, just like converge and um, building on some of the things Amy said, just like study groups, like forging friendships and relationships through learning and like that breeds accountability and like the aliveness of learning because you're doing it in these intimate groups. Like I remember after college, I, some coworkers and I at my first job, like we would just do reading clubs together and um, try to maintain that space of learning outside of the context of college. Um, And so that's another tool that I've loved and cherished a lot. How do you go about like forming those groups though? A simple, what was it? I love Amy's simple complex. The simple can be, hey Amy, you wanna read this book together? I have this book, Caps Lock, do you wanna read it with me? And uh, <laughs> I do, and I bought it. It came in the mail yesterday. We're gonna real example. Oh, it's a real example. Yeah, <laughs> this is easy. And, to um, and, and complex can be can be dreaming of like oh like some, this is such a Katie response, but I'll be like sometimes daydreaming like you know it sounds so nice having a group of friends laying by the water and we're all just reading. Okay, how can I get that to happen? Okay, like, do, 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 do. Like, who wants to go, like, to, like, the water and, like, read with me by sunset? 
so it like begins from like longing <laughs> but but the but the simple is like hey amy do you want to read with me <laughs> hey pat <laughs> do you want to join in <laughs> yep god it's just as easy as that then i guess <laughs> It does. It feels super hard when you're like not in the practice of doing it. Um, yes. It feels super tough. Uh, one thing that kind of got me out of my shell, um, and it's something that I've seen my dad do for like my whole life, basically. But like, I tried to, I tried to like put my own little like my own take on it, but. My dad's always really good about interacting with people just throughout the day, just having small conversations with people, asking how their day's going. Like if you're, if you're getting a coffee, just ask somebody how their day's going and it gets you in the, it's just like, um, it gets you talking to people in like a curious and like, um, conversational way that like makes asking those, those harder moments easy. You know, it's like, like when you're in a little like, um, you know, exchange that is within the confines of a transaction, you know, it's super easy to like just practice some of those communication skills, curiosity. I've like made friends with people because I've been like, Hey, what song is playing in the shop right now? You know, like, and then you strike into a conversation about that. And then you find out that they rock climb and then you have a new climbing buddy. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not just as easy as that for me. Like I've always really struggled with with that. So I kind of have to break it down into how do I do it small scale? How do I then like take those things? And, th and now I'm just comfortable asking questions. I also think asking questions is like such a, um, such an opener. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if, if there's something you see that strikes your curiosity about something out in the world, just asking a question about it, you know, I don't know. I just, I love having those little conversations that are based in nothing, but like call attention to something uh, that somebody might be interested in, you know? Yeah. That's kind of like where my questions came from. Kind of like, kind of just was walking and I was like, you know, I don't know this. I think they'll ask them, but that's perfect. That's the best. <laughs> I feel like Pat beautifully summarized like a multi-step process about build, building community. Like I feel yeah. like there is this, like the first step is like widen your net, like meet people, figure out what their deal is, start talking to random people. And then when you identify those that are, that you can really make a connection with about something, invest in that, like, you know, make an effort to ask them questions and learn more about them and like make them feel comfortable. They may not want to be your friend, but there is like that two-step process that gets to the point where Katie and I do know that we share a connection and certain interests where she can just ask me, do you want to read this book? And I'll absolutely be yes. And it's like zero weirdness because we went, we did that investment. But there was a time when we were just like, there's another, like in both, like there's other people, like friends of friends. Like that's, I know both of these people through like they're friends of another friend and you just like, you know, meet them. And then you like build on that. So that's like your advice on like meeting more people and like and like becoming closer with people, I guess. That's what yeah. you guys would do. Oh. Okay. Well, Katie or Pat, what would you do? What was that? What what are, what is your what is your interpretation of that process? 
I love I Pat and Amy, that was so beautiful. I was like, yes, that is so so grounding to remember. Um uh because yes, there was definitely a time where I did not feel where yeah, yeah, just it is such a process. Um but one thing I will add to that, so I, I echo what Pat and Amy shared, but something I'll add is I also attune to like what people have going on. So if they're like performing, if they're sharing something, if they're they just writ, wrote a thing and they published it, um, like spending time getting to know the, their, those things um, and, and asking questions if I, if I feel safe and comfortable to. Um, but again, letting curiosity be a compass um, mm. which seems to be a theme from, from all of this, from you asking us questions and from what we're all talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, like the curiosity, like be a compass. I haven't heard that one, but that one, like, I like that one a lot. Yeah. But then, yeah, that was great. I love curiosity as a compass. I, I had to write that, that down. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Then, like, combining those two, like, work and friends, like, how do you? Have you guys found like a good balance with that now? Or like, did you struggle with it at some point? Yeah, I personally, I feel uh, much more in tune with that now. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me is that Converge is my primary area of work at the moment. Like I, I am working with these people as my like primary work. And that is so everyone here is here because we share so much in terms of our experience and the way we see the world and the way we want to exist in the world that it makes friendship among us like almost, uh, you know, like inherent, like it's, it's, we have similarities that we're able to build relationships on. And I think I struggled with, um, with like building friendships in my early twenties it was difficult for me because I was spending most of my time in work environments with people that were really bought into the systems that I was not super bought into. And so then I kept being like, why am I not really close with my work friends? Like, why don't I want to spend time with the people that I'm at work with? And it's because I, I didn't want to spend time in that place. And those people were much more about that place. So it for me the two come together when you when you start spending time in a place and around people that share your values and like share don't necessarily have to share your experiences but are open to hearing yours um and are open to sharing theirs um you know i i really feel like in the last couple of years i've i've started to understand that the relationships and friendships that you make at any stage in your life can be just as important as the foundational ones from early stages in your life. I didn't always have that mindset. Um, and I think that that's allowed me to develop friendships and relationships with people that are, <coughs> excuse me, that are more closely aligned with my, where I want to be and how I feel in the world now at, at my age now. So kind of, sorry, that was kind of long winded. I hope, no, no, I, I, hope that, uh, I hope I wasn't too 
kind of all over the place in that response. No, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's also a lot of questions, at least there was at the beginning of like tech around the idea of creating spaces that are homogenous in that like there is this push and pull about people will feel more productive when they're working with people that they can trust and be vulnerable with. And it's hard to have vulnerability and trust with people who are very different than you or seem to have like a put like be in opposition to you because society is set up in that way. And so it is like a hard thing to balance like like intimate and in intimacy through heterogeneity. I, that's like, and that continues to be a hard thing we have politically, but also it is tr complicated in a work setting where you're under the deadlines of capitalism trying to be productive. So I don't know, like, I think that's why there's so much ideas around professionalism. And like, I really relate to a Pat experience, like being in a room with people that I didn't really want to be friends with for whatever reason, but you have, you spend so much of your time with these people and like, it is one it's a one method to try to get people who are different to work together but then it also reinforces a very like normative like traditional idea of what everyone should conform to behave towards and discard the rest of their identity and which can be more painful if you're not naturally part of that uh, hierarchy and demographic that was conceptual and vague no that's that's perfect yeah thank you then how do you how do you deal with the people that you don't want, or not deal with but like how do you interact with the people that you don't really want to hang out with outside of work but like you have to work with them still for me there was always uh um i was always trying to maintain an understanding that you know like I, it was always really hard for me if I could sense someone else's frustration or, you know, if, if there was like, if somebody was having a difficult day and that made communication with them difficult, I just tried to always keep in mind, like, that's me on any other day, you know, like I am, I'll be having a crappy day and really take that into work with me and wish I could shake it. And like, I know that I'm someone's least favorite coworker that day, you know? So like, trying to, I don't know, just <clears throat> trying to maintain um, just general levels of patience and respect, I think is crucial, even when you're not necessarily always met with those, trying to, trying to not let frustrations seep into, I don't know, the way you see a person, I think was always crucial, trying to like maintain a distance from the you know, like what we were talking about earlier, like if I didn't put so much of myself into the fear and like the the feeling of like doing right by the work, then I wouldn't have gotten so uh, invested in whether or not the, the people on my team around me were having a good day or were in a good mood or trying to read their their mood as like a reflection of the work that I was doing. Too much of that was happening in, in my day-to-day. -day. Um, so I think it, it really probably starts from, you know, just some of the stuff that we've been talking about all along is like recognizing boundaries and, and um, I don't know, trying not to ask too much of your coworkers, trying not to make sure, trying to make sure they don't ask too much 
of you. I don't know. Um, yeah, that was kind of an ambling response, but I feel like it's, uh, it can be tricky. There's definitely people that you might not get along with in the workspace, but like, I don't know, trying to remember that like, I'm not everyone's cup of tea is also helpful. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just tried to like maintain that, that recognition that like I might be getting on someone else's nerves and not realize it just by nature of the way I go about my day. Yeah, I, that resonates so much. I've been really leaning into like the, the spirit of good humor with like you guys are all as a teacher. I'm like, Okay, like I know I'm gonna be annoying today, but like blah, blah, blah. like I, I just really practice that that humility towards self too, and and just bringing in and not not to the point of being careful that it doesn't slip into self-deprecation or self-critique, um, um, but humility has been a, has been like a um, an energizer for for engaging those dynamics and for approaching different dynamics in work and collectives with the shifting boundaries that I might be coming with. Um, and, and to not yet, the, the humor helps me not like sink too, too deep into whatever might, whatever I might, I could be taking personally. Um, and I think on that note too, I don't know how this, I don't have a succinct response for how this might relate, but something um, with what Pat was saying too, I was thinking about how in my practice of trying to gauge my boundaries in different contexts and work environments, a lot of it's just about like managing my own expectations. And so rem- reminding myself like, okay, this person from, from past dynamics, it might be complicated. Katie's just like, be, be possibly prepared for that. Um, and, and just kind of like a few minutes before any day or any session being like, okay, this might, this might be the dynamic not to like diagnose anybody or, or project be care- being careful not to pro- project too much. Um, um, just being like, okay, this might happen. Okay, let's get ready now and be present. Um, and that's that's been helpful. Kind of going off what Katie's saying and like diagnose but not projects. For me, sometimes what's helpful is identifying specifically what might be I what the issue I might be having. Not like necessarily what their deal is, but like I don't like the way they do a task or I don't like the way they said they talk about this topic, like they're very different things that could be the reason why you may not be getting along with someone and like trying to have empathy and like maybe find something that you do, you can't, uh, an area which you can appreciate that person. Maybe you still need to put up a lot of boundaries, but there's an area of appreciation. And like, for me, when I do have like an ethical quandary around a situation in which I'm really challenged, I, for me, my like moral compass is what, what would I do or what should be done under communism? Like that's how my brain is. And like communism in the like, let's all work together in our heterogeneity, not the fascistic communism idea. And that even in those situations, the person that is like, seems the most opposing to me, they are still part of our whole. And how do you, how do you appreciate them in that whole? And then the, like, that's the like ideal way in my mind. Then the like real nitty gritty is like, Sometimes I remember when I was younger and I like would vent a lot about that person and it'd make me feel really bad though afterwards. Cause I'd be like, what if they found out? And like, then I would go into this whole like paranoia situation. So I really wish I had a therapist when I was younger to like be a safe, there's like a safe person to like put that energy 
and then like not have to feel like I gave it into the world. And of course, having a therapist is privileged to having a therapist, but just like, you know, thinking about that, that like it's venting is one thing, but then like the feeling of like, oh, did I go beyond and put negativity in the world or did they possibly hear it is like so much worse in my opinion. That experience was so really hard. And like I, and in like time I've grown away from that. Like it's not as much of a concern anymore. That resonates so much, Amy. Oh my God. Wow. I, something I really learned and value so much from Amy is this word appreciate um, and then from Converge. And I, I, um, I'm so grateful for that. Like just appreciation as a mode of showing up for and being present with difference um, has been really huge. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, for real. Like hearing hearing the appreciation is always like so motivating. It's always it always just makes me happy. I think that's also going back to how do you get people to ask questions? Like also appreciation maybe makes people feel more like they can be uh their true selves and if that true self is I have a question <laughs> maybe they'll ask you. <laughs> That's, no, yeah, definitely. Like, sorry, I'm like out of questions now. You guys answered like all. Okay. Of no, it's all good. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Though. Yeah. Of course, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Your curiosity wow. is like what's driving this, and I feel like one thing that I've really cherished about Converge, like the whole time, has been the way that like everyone around me in in this group is able to articulate something that I've not been able to articulate that I've felt and related to. And so like your curiosity was the driver for this conversation in which I learned so many different ways to articulate things that I had felt and experienced or identify even things I'd felt and experienced because Katie and Amy were, have experienced the same thing and are able to articulate it beautifully. So, I mean, it, this so is just you. a place of full of appreciation. Like, we're just like, we're just, uh, that's like the fuel that runs this, I think. No, 100%. Like, I, I definitely got a lot out of this. Like, I could definitely, sorry, I know that some of the questions may have sounded the same, but I definitely got a lot out of it. So thank you. You're so thank welcome. You so yeah, much. thank you. I this, this was so so lovely and so grounding and so energizing, and I'm very grateful for it. And this channel is also open too. I think like anytime you have other questions, like maybe we'll do a check in in you know in twelve months when you've like you don't know the questions you're gonna have to get in the new environments. So like. There's yeah. gonna be more work questions, I'm sure of it, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, you guys you'll be the first to know, so don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds great. One thing that I one thought I had that I wanted to also share about that is even in situations like ours where the ideal is supposed to be horizontal, there are hierarchical dynamics happening with everyone. Like that's just natural in human relationships. And like 
the dynamic one person may be having with another person may be bleeding into what you're perceiving about your relationship with someone. Like in a really traditional example, someone may have a boss, your, your boss may have a boss and that boss is making your boss's life hard. And that is why you're getting some negativity from them. And like, th that's not your fault, but it is just to say like, you know, the interconnections are so complicated. So, you know, again, don't take it personally and understand that there's like so much complexity in human relationships. Definitely. I'll remember that one. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for being you. Oh, thank you. I love Katie's like face of so much joy and like appreciation for what's happening. Like <laughs> I know. I'm gonna watch Oh my gosh. It's so true. Amy knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beaming. This is so amazing. <laughs> Yeah, this really did feel Oof. so good. <laughs> when I first signed yeah. on, I was saying to Amy, like, I have not had a productive day. Like, today to this point has been less productive than I wanted it to be. And now, like, I feel enthused. I feel like I could, like, now I feel like I just want to carry this energy all day, you know? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let us know if we can answer more questions. Yeah, please Anytime. do. Oh, thank you. I'll take you up on that. Also in a less formal setting than like a podcast, if you yeah. want, like if, you know, if you have some more questions that you don't want us to then broadcast out, like that's also cool too. <laughs> oh yeah. And in the spirit of being like the people who quote have authority should ask questions. I have a question for you. Sure. Yeah. What, like given all of us are at least like 10 years older than you. What do you feel about your, as you look into your future of like the world and jobs, like what are your expectations? What do you see in the world? Like, what is your point of view about like things going well, things being harder than before? Like, how do you see the world in general? And it could be about any of those topics. How do I see it going? I, yeah. I have like a, like after like being in Converge and like being a part of it, I'd have like a more optimistic point of view. Just like, I think everything's going to be fine. I think everything will be okay. Just kind of, kind of go with it. And I think like Katie said about like curiosity as a compass, like I think I'm going to follow that by now, but I definitely I don't know. I haven't really thought of that question before. That does a good one. But I would just say more, yeah, more optimistic, more positive. I don't know. Sorry, that may not answer your question. No, that's okay. Cool. I just want to, I think that getting in the habit of it, like it's not, we're not just here to answer questions. We're also here to ask you questions. Totally. Yeah. Please do. Like, <laughs> like if I can learn something new, that'd be great too. <laughs> There's so much we can learn from each other. I feel like, and sometimes that learning from each other is just like a recognition of what we've already known. You know, I think that's like something that's really cool too is like, it's not necessarily, it doesn't always feel like learning as much as like enlightening or like showing or like, you know, just using different synonyms for the same idea. That's something I always really like to do. Um, 
and shout out therapy. My therapist was always really good at like, it remains very good at like reframing things for me. If I'm, if I'm looking at something as like one type of, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, you know, if I, if I say I feel confused, I'm confused. I don't understand something. She would reframe it as curiosity. And I think that that kind of thing is like always important, you know? So like learning, showing, uh, demonstrating, like whatever it is, like, I don't know. I feel like I pick up so much from the people that are a part of this group, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I really learned a lot from being a part of this. So thank you. Thank you. I can't, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Like it's, it's like been a great experience being a part of Converge. You're doing our marketing well, for us question. right there. You're just like, I feel more <laughs> optimistic about the state of the world because of Converge. Like, can we put that can we put that at the front of all of our like pitch decks? Like, holy cow. <laughs> but it's like genuine. It's not even marketing at that It's like, <laughs> I, I like heard that. <laughs> Bring Your Full Self is put together through the collective effort of the members of Converge Collaborative. A special thanks today to Amy, Ryan, Katie, and to you for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our group, our work, or would just like to say hi, you can reach us by emailing converge at convergecollaborative.com.